All right. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Go for CEO channel. Man, I am super excited today. You know, this is going to be a little bit of a twist, a little bit of a different business and a little bit of a different message. I had some offline conversation with Connor and man, he is bringing the fire today. So, hey, remember to smash that like button, put some comments here. You know, Connor would love to interact with you. A lot of my interviewer interviewees are, are looking for that back and forth, that collaboration with our community. So go for CEO community, do that. And also subscribe to our channel if you're new. You know, these are CEOs, founders, entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, people inside of companies doing big things and just telling their story of being driven by mindset. So awesome, awesome CEO today, Mr. Connor Paulson from Uptown Creation. Let's rock and roll. How are you, Connor? Hey, John. Yes. Happy Wednesday. I am pumped. I'm fired up. I have been looking forward to this. And yes, I think there's some some interesting takes that we can provide to, to your audience and start some interesting conversations. I think these are areas that, in my opinion, maybe a lot of entrepreneurs don't talk about um, that have helped me tremendously that open and shed some light on some, some cool areas, interesting topics. So I'm excited to dive in, John. Well, awesome. Awesome. Well, look, Connor, you know, we usually like to start off with, uh, give us a little bit of background about who you were uh, growing up, getting into that kind of that business mindset. Obviously, you're sharp, young, good looking dude, you know, like, where did you start thinking about business? You know, what do you, what did you bring to the table as you started to create Uptown Creation uh, and get a little bit of that background and then we'll flow from there. Yeah, absolutely. Great question, John. So I think to add a narrative to this in context for anyone that doesn't, you know, know Uptown or, or you know, who we are, right? And, and that's a good reason, right? Now I'm going to, hopefully by the end of this, they'll, they'll have a reason too. So like I mentioned, I know you grew up in the Midwest too. I grew up on a small town farm in Eastern Iowa. And for anyone listening that doesn't know the Midwest that well, because now I live in San Diego. So whenever I tell people I'm from Iowa, they go, oh, the potato state, right? <laughs> and uh, so at that point, I, I come up with the analogy, have you ever played darts, right? Like billards, right? You throw a dart. Now imagine if you're playing darts on the United States map and you hit a bullseye, you're going to hit Iowa. That's Iowa. So any direction you point, you're the furthest from the ocean. You are the most landlocked state. Now it's a beautiful place to grow up, right? Growing up on a farm, I am, was a straight farm kid growing up, right? And, and when I say that we had, you know, livestock from cattle and, and hogs, and I was in 4-H and FFA. For a lot of people, that probably doesn't even make sense. It just means you take extra steps to, to become more involved in agriculture, right? FFA stands for Future Farmers of America. Now, I say all of this because that was my upbringing. Now, my upbringing was two different levels. So it's the farm, farming side because my dad wanted me to take over the family farm after high school. I had two options. That was option one. Option two was professional baseball. So football and baseball were my go-to sports um, growing up. Absolute passion for them. Now, when I got into high school, I started to realize that this passion for life, this natural energy that I've always had and kind of excitement for the future started to dwindle. And I had been playing a lot of sports growing up in, in baseball in particular. A lot, most summers was like three or four different teams. And it hit me. John, it was junior year of high school and it, it finally made sense. I realized that I wasn't looking forward to the future because it wasn't my future anymore. It, it really, my upbringing boils down to my longing for my dad's approval, right? And one day hoping to hear my dad say, Connor, I'm proud of you, right? And that's still true today. And, and I say that because I think it relates to a lot of men, whether they've realized it yet or not. And the thing was, is I knew this, but my dad didn't know it. And he had this plan for me, right? He had kind of two different plans you could take, right? There wasn't a third plan. And so I was scared shitless to, to bring it up. I didn't know how to bring it up with them. And it was months later. And it was one night, 
So I grew up with my dad, right? Which traditionally, I think mothers usually win custody. But it was my dad and I on the farm. And this one night, I knew I needed to tell him at some point, way too nervous, way too scared. I thought I'd let him down, he'd be mad. And we were in his white Honda minivan, just us two, right? Out of all the vehicles on the farm, he loved driving this white Honda minivan with like 300,000 plus miles on it. And that was like his, he loved telling his friends. Now, it was us two. And I look over at him in the car and I'm like, dad, hey, I'm not really looking forward to the future at this point, you know, and, and I put some thought into it. And at this point, I really don't want to pursue farming and I don't want to pursue any of the baseball scholarships. And John, he didn't say anything. He kept his hands on the wheel and his face straight. It was like, I didn't say anything. And I, I kid you not, it was silent for three to five minutes and it felt like 35 minutes. And I could just tell in his face, the body language, everything about the aura, the energy in the air, like I had disappointed him, right? I had done the thing that I didn't want to do, but something magical happened. All of a sudden I had this freedom to like, I, I detached from something. I didn't know this at the time, this is more so looking back, but I detached from someone else controlling my future. And now I didn't know what I was gonna do. And I told him that, I was like, dad, I don't really know what I'm gonna do. I finished high school here in a few months. Fast forward, I ended up turning down the baseball scholarships and went to, got into um, business. And a buddy within the first few weeks at the University of Iowa was like, hey, come to this, uh, this event. He's like, it's, it's entrepreneurs. And I, I don't even think I had heard the term entrepreneur yet. You know, this is like probably 10 to 12 years ago. And he's like, no, nah, I think you might like it. And, and we show up, not only am I late, because I got the times mixed up. I thought it started 30 minutes later. I thought I was early, but it was actually 30 minutes late. So I come in, but instantly, John, I had never been in a room with people that I didn't know these people existed. Like, how can we create the future, right? How can we help each other build each other up? Because it seemed like every other time that I had ideas and things, people around me growing up, it was like, oh, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. But these are people that are talking to each other with a whole nother tone, right? And it's how do we really change the world? Let's build products and services that better the world and do it on a global scale. And that was excitement. So the energy was really what like pulled me in. The only way to get access to, to all the best resources though, is you need a business, right? And the University of Iowa has a top three entrepreneurial program in the country. Um, Iowa and Stanford trade curriculum, right? They had entrepreneurial programs way before any of the other schools. And that's just really the main reason, kind of the first mover. So. I had to start a business. Now the first company was called Gentleman Care. Gentleman Care was a men's leather goods company for like, think really high-end custom leather bags for men, like the, the, the professional that goes to work, right? Like messenger bags, duffel bags, weekenders. I'm actually wearing one of our belts from back in the day. Um, and they were all custom. Now we didn't have funding. So that business actually started on Kickstarter um, back when Kickstarter was still pretty new. Um, and so that was, there was definitely a little luck there. And I'm going to be honest, right? Because if your first business is going to be a crowdfunding campaign and it doesn't do well, I feel like that does not set that good of a tone for the rest of, you know, like everyone else around you, like, oh, he's the business owner. But John, John would say, well, Connor also didn't have that successful Kickstarter campaign. Um, so that's how the first one started. Fast forward, that went well for a couple of years. And then in between, there were a couple other businesses, you know, I was just trying to figure things out. And, you know, whenever I saw opportunity, I was trying to maximize it. And I had a lot of entrepreneurial friends now, and we all thought the same. So if someone else saw eye to eye, we would kind of team up. And then I had, you know, um, a couple other buddies. We had a delivery dry cleaning company at one point for like a nine month stint. And then we started Uptown Creation, a sophomore year of college. So I say that because this wasn't the first company. I failed a few times before, right? And I'm grateful that I did because failure is the only way to success. And I needed that mindset shift, right? Um, so when we started Uptown, I, I, I want to explain this because the big difference 
here is that we didn't plan on creating this company, right? Mm. It was my business partner, Chris, we met in the founders club, which is, so like I explained, there's this entrepreneurial program. And as you have a business and as you get more funding or you win a bunch of business competitions, you move up the ranks and at the highest level, it's called the founders club. And you have to do a certain amount in revenue or there's, there's kind of strict metrics to be in it. Well, once I joined, I met this guy named Chris Casalino. And uh, he was born and raised in Chicago, you know, much like yourself, suburb. Um, and we teamed up on Amazon FBA. Are you familiar with Amazon FBA? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Fulfillment by Amazon. So at the time, you know, this is, I'm going to say seven, eight years ago, Amazon was around, right? Still picking up some steam, but FBA was brand new. Now for anyone that doesn't know what FBA is, that's fulfillment by Amazon. That means for any of us listening, that means two day prime, free prime shipping comes around, right? But now for the seller, it's even more special because you don't have to worry about shipping. And that's one of the hardest or most challenging logistical things to, to deal with um, when you're selling a lot of products online. So we did that, we got a lot of, we, we kind of got that first mover advantage. Um, and that was kind of chapter one of Uptown Creation. So the company started about seven years ago, chapter one was Amazon FBA. And we got into it simply because Chris and I were sitting there and we teamed up doing a little bit of drop shipping before this. And we were like, how the hell do, you know, we both had some physical companies prior, but we looked at each other and we said, how can we team up and create an online business and provide online value, right? Now at the time, no one was really doing it, especially on campus. No one was doing it effectively, like at, at the level that you're a legitimate business and it's not like a side hobby. So it made sense to team up. That was, I, I say that because that's a huge anchor point, right? Now, we knew from previous companies what we wanted our ideal lifestyle to look like. We knew that the future was online. We knew that for us to live what we defined, we call it the freedom lifestyle, is to be able to first, step one is how do you make remote income, right? How do you make money on your laptop? Regardless, you have internet, doesn't matter where, right? And after you create those and over time and you build those and you implement systems, eventually you can hopefully turn that into a passive income stream, right? And so that was the whole model. Now we're, you know, at the time we're thinking like, eight to 10 years out, um, but that was what we wanted. We started with a definition of what we wanted our lifestyle to look like and created a business around it. And that was a lifestyle company around it, right? So then it was Amazon, right? Amazon's online, we can be anywhere in the world, we can do it. Um, after about a year, we had some success, had some of the highest rated products in our subcategories, but we looked at each other and it just was not that fulfilling. Like we knew we could be doing more. Um, it was cool to make some money online. It was nothing, you know, it was nothing crazy money. Um, but we also saw the downsides to it, right? Because once you grow to a certain level on Amazon, customer support picks up and it seems like your day-to-day -day job is dealing with you know, customers that aren't happy and that can get down. Um, chapter two led us into social media. And coming from the Midwest, the majority of our team, so the majority of our leadership team all comes from big 10 schools throughout the Midwest. Um, and I say that because our values as a company that have really helped us continue to scale year after year really tie back closely to the Midwest values. Just do good business. Don't hear, listen, like do what you say you're going to do under promise over deliver those little things, but actually practicing them. Um, and when we got to social media, we saw this huge opportunity with Instagram. Now, why did we choose Instagram? We were coming from an Amazon FBA background, right? Selling e-commerce, selling physical products online. When Instagram first launched after about two or three years, they announced that there was going to be this new feature called Instagram checkout coming, right? And Instagram checkout out was going to be the first social media platform, Instagram, that you could actually buy and sell products, right? Which is game changing. Now it's fairly normal, especially with the most recent update. Um, 
And it's funny because it just actually launched, right? We thought five years ago, they were going to launch it like within a six to 12 months. Well, that didn't happen. And it put us in this position that um, we saw opportunities on Instagram, but we saw really quickly that everyone in the space, all the digital marketers within Instagram and social media were taking shortcuts, right? They were using automation. They were using bots. They were using spray and pray marketing templates. I'm not bashing it at all, but those are just the same people that complain a lot of times because they don't get results, right? So we mm -hmm. saw this opportunity as if, you know, what would our Midwest values do? It's go the opposite direction of everyone else. So for us, it was, how do we build this the right way? doesn't matter if anyone wants it or not. There's got to be other people out there that don't want to pay for the cheapest, low quality, but people that really want to grow an authentic, real brand, increase visibility, establish their authority, you know, and sell more to their product or service. So that's the market we went after. And, and we wanted to build it from the ground up, doing it the right way. Something magical happened, John, after about like 60 days, and this surprised us, some other marketing people that were a lot higher level that we looked up to um, saw how we were fulfilling and they saw that we were doing it vastly different. We just didn't want to take shortcuts. They started opening up their networks to us. And, you know, at this point, we're like juniors, seniors in college. Right. And, and from the Midwest, it's not like we get to see that many, you know, influential people on a regular basis. Well, all of a sudden we started having A-list celebrities, New York Times bestselling authors, you know, some of the most well-known professional athletes, action sport athletes, you name it. They were all of our, you know, they were our clients and quickly becoming friends. Um, and so that opened our eyes, A, to, okay, this online thing can, there's this ripple effect we didn't even imagine. Um, and it opened up some doors. So now fast forward, we did the Instagram thing for two to three years. And then about two years ago, we pivoted and we made the smartest business decision of all time. So I've explained the two chapters previously, right? So we started in Amazon, then it went to Instagram. And chapter three is LinkedIn and lead generation, right? Why did we choose this? Where did the pivot happen? Now with Instagram, we were fortunate to work with a lot of these very influential people, almost all of them. I mean, every customer, right? They were paying us to help increase their visibility and, and sell more, but they would come to us and they would say, Connor and Chris, Chris is the business partner, right? They'd have one of three questions. They go, Connor and Chris, I can't attract enough new customers fast enough, right? Or another way to say it would be like, I can't fill my pipeline fast enough, right? Or question two would be, I can't fill my pipeline with the right people. Or question three would be, I can't afford to give out discounted rates anymore, right? It's not sustainable. And we heard this for a while. And then finally the light bulb went off and it's like, they're asking us for what we can create, right? And we thought we were a social media company at the time. At one point we thought we were a content creation company, but that was never our specialty, right? Our specialty and passion always lied within sales, marketing, psychology, and communication. And so this light bulb moment happened and was like, why are we focusing on these things? You know, they want more customers. Instagram's not the best place to get customers. They want new opportunities. They want big deals. Those people are on LinkedIn, right? In marketing, we say, go to where your ideal customer congregates, right? Whether whatever corner of the, the web it might be, whatever platform and learn how to speak their language. So that opened our eyes. Um, and yeah, that was a big part of, of why we got into the LinkedIn Legion. And it was saying, stop everything else. Let's focus on sales in the B2B space, right? So businesses that are selling a product or service to another business, and we leverage LinkedIn to bring in new business. So really what the end result looks like, we have a team of 55 now um, in the US from San Diego, where I'm based, scattered throughout the US to New York City, um, and purposely in the US the for the most part, right? Now, Almost everyone on our team has a college degree and they're trained under our sales coaches, right? So whether, you know, you're familiar with neuro-linguistic programming and knowing how to build rapport or getting into social selling and learning how to guide a conversation without being salesy, right? I would say that's a huge factor 
coming from the Midwest, right? No one likes anyone that's super salesy. I think it's one of the quickest ways to make everyone feel uncomfortable and the quickest way to get kicked out of a room, right? So that's what we provide for our clients, right? There has to be structure, but they let us take over because we don't take any shortcuts, right? They pay us because we come in and we take over their LinkedIn account behind the scenes. We figure out who their ideal client is. We identify who the low hanging fruit is. Then our team just takes over behind the scenes and brings those people in mimicking the exact same authentic voice, right? So this is what we've been doing for the past three years. Um, we've been fortunate to work with uh, a variety of very influential business coaches, business consultants, and paid speakers. So I would say if you're looking for an archetype, think Tony Robbins. We work with a lot of people on Tony's team um, and people of that caliber, right? Now, in the last six months, new doors have opened. Um, we're really fortunate to work with some large Fortune 500 organizations, which is exciting for us because that's, you know, that's new in the last six to nine months, right? We're seeing how this same system and process and service applies not just to coaches, consultants, speakers, but really anyone in the B2B space. So we're excited for, for the direction. And John, thank you for the long, or giving me the time to, to kind of explain that, but I wanted to give the context of, of where that all came together, right? Because it wasn't one thing and I'm not gonna sit here and go, I'm the idea guy or I'm this guy. No, it, it's not. I had to go through enough adversity and, and I, we haven't even really talked about that yet. Um, I had experienced enough of life and fail enough in business for me to really figure out like, this is my passion. I'm gonna work for myself. I, I can't imagine a life working for anyone else. And I am I am more than happy to be bro a broke entrepreneur for a decade and then make it and have full control of my life and, and for my family, my future and, and you know give back in the ways I want. So um, yeah, what was your biggest takeaway from that, John? No, uh, you know what, so much to unpack. Uh, you know, when I listen, I really try to get a couple of nuggets I think for me and the community, you know, one of the things that I would share, if you replayed the last, you know, three, four minutes there, you know, you're talking about naysayers, right, in a center of influence that you kind of had growing up and going into that high school age, college, but then you put yourself in front of visionaries, right, in a group. So that's a big takeaway, right? Uh, uh, being around like-minded people, where you want to go, that vision of where you want to go. But then, you know, you shared, you know, you went through a few different businesses to kind of formulate your real true business style. Uh, and where you're at right now. And that'll evolve too, right? A uh, guy I follow a lot, Ed Milet, talks about, you know, the, the next best version of yourself, right? And it seems like you and your partner are really just always recreating. So let's go back to some of the nuts and bolts, right? Um, I think a lot of people online, including myself, you know, can kind of be overwhelmed, like, all right, do I go with this guru to teach me how to do FBA? Do I go with that guru? Do I, do I buy this program? So what is some of your style when you are in business on an operation level? How, do you, how did you take some of the dynamics that you learned from a few of these businesses that seemed like they were more kind of solopreneur businesses to now actually running a, a, a really a, a conglomerate business? Because now you have people that are on your staff. you got people around the country. You're, so tell me a little bit about that back end. How are you setting up your operations in those beginning stages? Yeah, great question. And, and honestly, I haven't put much thought into it for, for a long time, John. So, so that's a, a really good question. You know, for the first couple of companies, right? Like when I talk about the leather goods company and then a couple of those in between, I had no idea what I was doing, right? And, and we didn't at the time. And that, that's completely okay. And I'm, I'm glad, right? Because we had to, to test the waters. And really a lot of it was just, you have to test enough things out to learn 
what you like about you, you have to realize it's not this the the macro of I like this or I don't like this. But when you start doing something, you can start looking at the micro within it, right? The smaller pieces of it. And it's like, okay, for the dry cleaning company, I'm just going to come up with this example, right? Um, what I did like is that it, it did have kind of a passive financial model in the sense that once it was set up and once we would have um, the college kids that we could recruit to go deliver these things because we didn't want to be doing it, that it could be passive. But the downside was is customer support and people not dropping their laundry off, you know, to, to be ready at the time when the delivery guy would be coming. Right. So it's like, OK, well, I wonder if there's a there's a better way to do it. Um, I would also say, you know, just a higher level version of this that that's really helped me out a ton that mentors preached to me at a young age was I think this applies just to personal life. Right. You have to experience enough things on your own in life to really understand what you like and dislike, because just as equally as learning what you like in life is what you dislike in life, right? And that was that was a, a mindset shift for me, right? And like I explained, I lived in Chicago for, uh, for a summer in my sophomore year of college. So I was doing the business stuff, but I didn't know what my passion was. And I still wasn't fully committed to entrepreneurship yet because I didn't think I was a good enough entrepreneur to do it full time yet. I looked at the people above me and I was like, I'm not them yet. So I talked to a friend and he was living in Chicago. He had a very successful company. Um, he dropped out of college. His funders were like, hey, you know, they were like, come to Chicago. We're putting you in the tower. You guys work. You're out of college. Um, and so Noah's like, hey, come to Chicago with me. You'll stay with me. You'll sleep on my couch. I'll help you get some internships. We'll, we'll get them in different spaces. So he just listed off. He's like, well, what are some things that you might be interested in? Well, I was like, I, I like fashion. Um, I like operations, I think. Um, you know, like it was, I, I think I like sales. Um, no idea at this point. And all of a sudden he calls me back later that day. He's like, well, I got you four internships in different spaces. You're only getting paid for one <laughs> and, uh, living in river North, it's fairly expensive. So I had to limit the amount of fun I had, but it was an awesome experience. And I never regret it because those internships opened my eyes to how to communicate with people to just start being around other business owners and realizing how they think I learned, I enjoy sales. And not really sales, but I enjoy communication. I love in-person human interaction like this. Mm -hmm. But the other jobs I didn't like, you know, they, I really didn't. There were some that I just were not for me, right? I helped a company, uh, a juice press company in Chicago, um, figure out all the logistics and determine the, the most cost-effective type of plastic to use. I did not realize there are hundreds of types of plastics. And to go through when you're doing, you know, um, the cost breakdown, but then, how well is it going to actually, you know, will the, will the actual juice stay fresh? And there's all these different things. And I realize this is not my, my cup of tea. And mm -hmm. so I'm saying all of these things because you, we have to experience enough of life. And I'm still doing this today, right? On, on my goals, I'm very goal oriented. Every single week I read off one of my goals is experience a new place, render adventure each week. I think that goes hand in hand with like work, you know, you can't find your passion unless you go out and you do it. And now this is the other big point. Don't listen to what other people's opinions are, right? And I think the best example of this is when there's that movie you've been looking forward to see, right? to seeing, right? And let's say the preview came out today and you're a huge rock, you know, the rock fan, right? And, and Dwayne Johnson's gonna be in this movie and it comes out in March and you are pumped. You're a huge fan, you've watched all of his other movies, but now it, you know, March 1st comes and the movie's out and you didn't get to see it in the first few days and your friends are telling you, you have one or two friends that are like, yeah, you know, I saw it. Honestly, it wasn't that good. You know, I thought a lot more like that was that was Dwayne Johnson's worst movie. And so you sit there and you go and most people will go, oh, shit. Well, uh, nice. You just saved me time and I don't have to pay the $15 at the movie theater. Right. 
But the thing is, is if you live your life like that, you are missing out on so many opportunities because you're living based on what other people are experiencing, right? And so I had to give that up. I used to care way too much about what people thought of me. I used to care about what brands I wore. And, and this is like high school into early college. And my dad always told me, he's like, Connor, when you get to my age, my dad's 64 now, he goes, you don't give a shit what anyone thinks about you. <laughs> and this, I, I didn't understand that at first. So my dad would explain that and I'd go hang out with some friends or he'd be around us. Be like, dad, come on, put this shirt on, please. Just, just put this one on. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, I don't give a shit. And again, he's an old school farmer, right? I grew up in a very disciplined ho household. Um, and, and so, yeah, that, that would be the takeaway is just realizing that our friends are looking out for us. And even if it's about someone that's listening to this right now, that's thinking about starting a business, but doesn't know how to start a business. And I can almost guarantee you that if you were to ask any close friends or family, they're going to most likely recommend that you don't do it right in some form. But the thing is, is realizing the context they're coming from, right? They're coming out of love in reality because they don't think you see the risk at hand. Yeah. So the second you can detach from that and then start surrounding yourself with other like-minded people. And, you know, in the COVID days, it can be kind of challenging, right? I have friends that call me and they're new to entrepreneurship and they're like, how do I get like, you know, how, I live in San Francisco and I don't have that community. Um, how do I build something like that? And I think at this point with COVID and everything, that's where you leverage LinkedIn. That's where you leverage Facebook groups. You can have these communities. These people are already congregating just like you. And you just have to go there and start engaging with them. And then my goal, or, you know, my advice would be when you find someone that you really relate to and maybe have a goal of finding one or two people like that each week, ask them to get on the call, get on a 15 to 20 minute call and just tell each other, the, each other's stories. And, and, you know, the reason for the call is, Hey, I'd love to learn more about your story, John, more about your podcast in any ways we might be able to help each other. Are you open to a quick phone call in the next week? Right. It's very likely people are going to be open to that, especially with COVID going on. These are how you can start establishing. A lot of my friends in digital marketing, I've never met in person and I'd still consider them really close friends. And I think they'd probably consider me a really close friend too. Um, so hopefully this provides some insight to, to, to your community. Well, look, I mean, you are an investor, right? And everything that you're doing, it seems like you put a lot of investment into the thought, into the actions that you're about to create, into the goals that you have written down in front of you, the repetition of that. And then it sounds like, you know, even in your relationships, you're kind of systematic about things. So I love, I love that. And a lot of people can learn from that, you know, because, you know, this channel really is meant, you know, to learn from CEOs, founders, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, you probably have people inside your company that are looking at you as the leader and going, wow, you know, I can learn a lot from Connor or even just that affiliation. So I'm excited to be connected with you. So let's go back to Uptown Creation. I do want to give a little bit more kind of credence to uptown creation and what you guys are doing i mean it's it's a certainly a different type of model um and you know you can go to the mechanic down the road and, and really have a conversation with them and i have those types of people lined up to do interviews but you've got a really cool sales lead generation b2b b2c type of situation can you go into some of the attributes that you're looking at when you think about your clientele how are you positioning them uh you talked about speakers and tony robbins type people and con consultants are there other verticals that you're also channeling for the next for this year to really increase Uptown Creations, uh, um, you know, exposure? Great question, John, and and thank you. Yes, great question. So I think the the easiest way to start is is what guides us at Uptown Creation. Whether you want to call it a mission, a vision, it is to influence the world on a positive or on on a global scale, right? Influence the world on a positive or on a <laughs> said it again influence the world on a global scale, right? So now to us, that takes two forms. 
working with influential organizations and influential individuals or professionals, right? Now, if we can help them expand their visibility authority and help bring in more people, they're able to help the world, right? And the other part is, you know, we really only want to work with people that align with our values. And that's, we've been in business long enough and we have enough clients that we've been able to really zero in on that. And that's helped tremendously, right? That when we work with a client that they come on and it's not just a customer, a customer company like relationship. No, it is, I would say it's, it's more, I don't know if I want to say it's closer to a family than anything else. It's very much hand-holding, high touch point. Um, we're going to show you how to get results, right? Because some people come to us and they've had success on LinkedIn. They just don't have time to do this, but they want their company to grow. They hire us, right? That makes sense. I'd say a good chunk, 50% of our clients are really busy professionals, you know, corporate executives, Fortune 500 CEOs that have goals on their LinkedIn account, right? I'd say the majority of people, they want more business for their company right? But some of the others, they want to be on podcast interviews with the highest level people, um, or they want to attract the highest level podcast um, people, right? And then, uh, so that's really the, the, the core, like guiding light, I'll, I'll call it, right? Is just influential individuals and professionals and helping them get it to the world. Now for us, in doing the B2B lead generation, I think one way to view what we do is it's business development. And that's really what the larger companies consider us. Now, we have this magical spot where we fit in perfectly between sales and marketing, right? And anyone in, in sales or marketing knows that sales and marketing fuel each other, right? When you have sales and marketing on, on par, you're growing your company on a consistent basis. So we come in as more of the guerrilla kind of tactic. Now, what does guerrilla mean for anyone that's not in marketing? It's like boots on the ground, right? Now, you can build all these expensive things. You can build sales funnels for $50,000, you can build websites for $100,000. You can build so many different things. You could waste your time and energy on Instagram or Facebook and all these different platforms, that's fine. And I'm purposely saying wasted because I've seen this happen so many times. For us at Uptown Creation, along with our clients at Uptown Creation, we value ROI positive actions. So the clients that come to us, they want their business to grow and they know Instagram is still a critical component to most companies, but that's a longer term play. And if you're gonna start putting, you know, allocating the time, resources, energy, to like this longer term play of hopefully it brings in clients down the road, but yet it seems like every other business owner cares about Instagram. So you think you need to, um, that's fine, right? For us, it's really about people that want to, to have ROI positive actions. Now, what does that mean? It means in business, we've learned a couple big things. And one of them is, is that our company's still around today and continuing to grow year after year because we focus on the 80-20 rule, right? What is the 20% 20% of our time should be going towards what 80% of the value for our company is. Now for me, that's sales, right? And leading our sales team, our growing sales team. That's where my 80-20 rule comes in. Now for anyone else, um, I would highly recommend that. Usually that should be something that brings in revenue, right? Because what's the bloodline to any company? You know, you're a financial guy, John, right? What is the bloodline to any company? It is sales and without sales, it's pretty hard to do anything. Cash flow, yep. <laughs> Cash flow yep. is green, right? Um, well, you know, that, that kind of leads us into uh, a really big topic, right? Uh, leadership. You, you just shared it. You, you have a team. And, and at one point, it was just you and Chris. You had these uh, dynamic ways of making money. You're entrepreneurial. But, uh, you know, I, I subscribe to Robert Kiyosaki's, you know, Cash Flow Quadrant when he talks about employee, uh, independent contractor, business owner, and investor, right? You switched over to that other side of the quadrant. So tell us now, what are some processes uh, that you have with your people? So 
let's just say, bring me through that uh, lens of you being the CEO, looks like you're, you know, head of sales. What, I bring in a, a guy like me, you know, I, I have experience or a guy that doesn't have experience or a gal. What, what are some things that you guys do at Uptime Creation to really kind of boost the level of someone joining your organization and becoming successful? Love it, John. Great question and very timely as we're hiring fast. So this is something, this is a conversation we have all the time. And the first level is values. Really, it just comes down to values. And when we're vetting or going through the interview process and, and with COVID and everything going on, it seems like, you know, there's well over a few hundred um, applicants for any position we open just because it's online. Other people are looking for online jobs too, right? And that's the beautiful yeah. thing of 2020 is I don't think a lot of us want to go back to, to normal, um, the normal way of, of working. Um, so I would say values, number one, is what we're going to look for. Number two is making sure that we are effectively onboarding and training. Now, this is something that is so overlooked. And this is really, in my opinion, the transformation that we're going through. There's, there's startup and we're still a startup. But now we're becoming a legitimate startup where we have health insurance and dental and you know X, Y, Z for, for, for these people. But it's um, for our team members, if we're gonna introduce someone, we wanna make sure that they know we're professional because we have the systems in place. We have the information there for them, but it's all timely, right? And I'm explaining this because as we grew the sales team at the beginning, there were a few people that joined the team, very high level salespeople from around the, around the world and there were a couple of people that definitely felt like they were thrown out into the open waters, right? And they kind of had to tread water for a little bit because we were figuring things out, right? We're going through that transition right now into becoming a lot more of a legitimate, like, and in, in when I say legitimate, it's more internal, right? Like anyone we bring on, we have a system. You watch these two videos, here's the checklist. All right, now you're going to have a one-on-one -on -one call with Connor. If he approves, now you're in the team calls and you'll get Monday trainings, right? Like there's a system in place now. Now the next level is where it's more of like the, the nitty gritty, um, one thing that I just learned that is just a game changer, and it sounds so simple, and maybe you already do it, is to make sure that we're actively talking to our teams, right? And now there's one way, and for us and our team, we chat, we have different groups, and we use WhatsApp. That's what works really well for us for different groups. There's one thing to communicate in that, but the real, st the, the real game changer for me was starting monthly strategy calls. So I think some people might call them review calls. We call them strategy because it's not as much focus on accountability. There is accountability in it, but it's a 30 minute call with every single person on our sales team. And I do it in a single day purposely. So it's back to back nonstop whole day, but purposely because I'm able to identify patterns and I'm taking notes the whole time. So the takeaway here is whenever challenges start coming up within the, the sales side of things, right? It's not one person or it's not a group of people, but it's like, all right, how do we increase sales? it can be like this mystery, right? Being at the bottom of Mount Everest and it's like, how do I get up there? Like, I think I can start climbing, but I don't know what way. Do I have the right gear? I don't know. Um, when you just go and talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, and that's the trick, one-on-one, -on -one, and you bring the energy and they know you genuinely are there for them and their success, and that's how these strategy calls are, are presented, right? That this call in the context is to look at the numbers because we track everything, and that would be another big thing is you have to track every metric. Now, at first, we didn't want to. Because we thought it would kind of like demean some people because we knew some salespeople might have more skill than others. But then I talked to them all one-on-one -on -one, and they all go, every single one went, I wish there was more accountability. And I go back to the team and I'm like, holy shit, like this was my misbelief, right? I created this. I didn't talk to them. So the one-on-one -on -one calls and all of a sudden, all the feedback we're getting, I asked one question. Um, every month I ask a, a different like set of questions, but this one 
I got some really good responses asking, you know, hey, John, if you were, if you were running Uptown Creation at a team of 55 in the sales team, what is one thing you do different, right? And it opens up some awesome conversations, right? And now oftentimes you're like, whoa, well, I've never thought like that. But there's other times where you can tell they've had something on the tip of their tongue. They've kind of wanted to bring up, didn't know the right time, and then they do. Um, and so that's a way that we can make sure we are providing them everything they need on a day-to-day -day basis and giving them the room to also be autonomous too. So um, hopefully that gives some context. No, no, I love it. And you know what you're doing there, in, in my opinion, is creating intrapreneurs, right? Inside your company, having that mindset like you do, exposing them to the 360 feedback you know, process and, and allowing them to be vocal, which is such a cool environment, right? Mm -hmm. uh, when you join any organization, you start to look at the culture, look at the people, look at the leaders and try to find yourself in, within that if you're in a, in a job, right, side of things. But then also when you're building something, like you have and your, and your partner, Chris, uh, what a cool experience. So take us through now, you know, you, you've developed someone, let's go now to the client side. What kind of packages do you guys offer? Is it on a subscription model? I want the audience to know, like, what is Uptown Creation really doing once they have identified a client? You know, what are you doing there? Yeah, great question, John. So our, uh, you, you can view all this information at uptowncreation.com. So no S, it's singular, uptowncreation.com. And so our prices range from 997 up to a few grand and, and more for you know custom packages or large organizations. So for us, you know, a big part is we never want price to be a reason why we can't help a company grow. Um, and so a lot of times, you know, we're able to, to work something out to kind of meet in a position where we can incorporate their goals and, and meet in the middle um, to get them those results. So that would kind of be the range. Now, when a client works with us, John, we'll just act like, you know, you're about to join Uptown Creation, right? Now, what next steps look like? You've, you've you know, added your payment details. So the next step, you're going to have an onboarding call. On that onboarding call, we've already had notes on at least two or three previous calls. So we have a really good idea of who you are. We've asked questions to understand how well you might convert, like who your ideal client is. On that onboarding call, it's really about getting, we have a few last minute questions, but it's really about getting access to the information to your LinkedIn. We're going to start getting everything set up. Now, the beauty here and why our clients love it is this is done for them, right? These are for whether it's busy professionals or anyone that really needs new customers. And especially in January, um, this is a very timely time for anyone in the B2B space looking for more customers. So once we've had that onboarding call, we have that information for the next two to three weeks, our copywriting team, our fulfillment team is getting everything set up for the client, right? So we, we're getting your LinkedIn profile optimized. We're gonna take a look. What does your content look like? Does your profile cover photo match? Does your bio have the right keywords? Do you have the endorsements we need, you know, to really re reflect your professional brand when we're going after your ideal customer. So we help set that up. Now, once we do, our copywriting team is gonna come up with custom copy that is taking exactly how you communicate, right? Now we're gonna send that to you for you to approve, right? You give us the green light. Um, and then we start the outreach. So from there, we're going to be on your LinkedIn account and we're going to send 50 to 75 connection requests every day, right? So that guarantees anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 new connections. Now, these aren't just any connections. These are hyper-targeted connections, right? And we're doing this through Sales Navigator. So um, Sales Navigator is really the, the magic behind LinkedIn. And anyone, there's a lot of companies making a lot of money on LinkedIn. What I can tell you as a quick tip is those are the companies using Sales Navigator and that know-how. Um, so after 
we, you approve the copy, then we would actually start the outreach and then 50 to 75 connection requests sent each day. Now our, our bottom line or baseline metric is that we need 30 to 40% or three to 400 of those connections to be accepted, right? Once they're accepted, then we start messaging them. Once they respond, our team is taking that conversation over. It's no copy and paste. It's having an authentic, real conversation. And that's why it works. Simply put, what I just explained there, that's the magic. When people know it's a human, and that's why our clients pay us because they care about authenticity as much as we do, but they don't have the time yet they value growing their company. So by the time we have a conversation on average, we're going to have a conversation on your behalf, John, for four to seven days on your LinkedIn account. You can hop into LinkedIn at any time, see exactly where we're at in the conversation. Once they get to the point that we qualify them, right? We're not asking them like, uh, it's not an intense like interrogation, right? We do the opposite of that. It's social selling. It's we're having a natural conversation, but guiding it in the direction to make sure we're qualifying before we get them on a call with you. So let's say it's the fifth or sixth day. We've determined, John, these three prospects, these would all be perfect opportunities for you based on everything we've talked about. Now we're going to get them to schedule directly to your calendar with a Zoom link automatically created. So all you do each week is hop on the call. And on average, we get our clients three to five highly qualified calls each week. And then on average, they're closing one to three new deals each month, right? And I'm purposely giving conservative metrics. But for anyone in the business realm, um, those are so pretty awesome metrics, right? And, and for most people, yeah. especially what we hear very often, you know, when I'm on a call with someone and it's, you know, one of the first questions I might ask is what's your current growth strategy or client acquisition strategy? And they go referrals. I hear that 80% of the time. Referrals are not a growth strategy. I love referrals. We love referrals at Uptown Creation. We track that metric and it's a beautiful metric to track, but it is not sustainable for growth, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in 2020, I've heard more than ever before how their referrals are all tapped out. So it's time that you just, companies come because we have the systems in place, right? There's ways to do this and we've practiced and mimicked it um, for, for many years. And because we test it, we're able, able to optimize. So the end result, the client is getting on three to five, calls each week and closing one to three new deals each month. Now for someone that can close at a little higher rate, we're talking, you know, maybe two to four deals a month. Um, and so on top of that, anyone that joins the Uptown Creation family um, or becomes a client, right, gets B2B sales consulting, right, from our B2B sales coach. Um, and there's two different sessions. It's really to make sure you package, know how to handle when you actually get on those calls, what questions to ask, what questions not to ask. Um, you get consulting from our team where we're really handled and we're showing you exactly what content to create, what not to create. No fluff. This is what we know. We've been in digital marketing for a decade. Um, we're going to save you time. This is what to do if you really want to maximize the service. And then at the same time, there's review calls every other week where we're actually going over the numbers, right? Some, you know, most business professionals like seeing the numbers. They want to understand. We help them see the narrative based on everything we know from LinkedIn, what it's showing us and how we double down on the opportunities that are working. And then there was one more opportunity. Oh, this is the cool one. There's no other company in North America that does the follow-up for their clients. So as anyone in sales and marketing knows, they always say, you know, the, um, like the, the cash is in the follow-up, right? The, the, the money is in the follow-up. Mm -hmm. Most people don't do it and it takes time and it takes practice. We saw that in the first year of being on LinkedIn and we realized quickly, like there are way too many hot opportunities. We have to start to follow up for our clients. So it's called the nudge process. So at very specific times for every single client, we follow up on their behalf so that no opportunity goes or falls through the cracks, right? That every opportunity is still top of mind. So I hope that, does that make sense, John? 100%. I mean, you know, 
you just laid down some incredible nuggets. And as I suggest to many of the interviews uh, that I have, um, and especially this one right now, you have to replay that last two minutes and really take down some vital notes because that is a true sense of how to really operate a business, bring a client in, have that genuine uh, you know, kind of flow of the business and then see a client succeed. Uh, one of the things that I always say, like you know, when you go to motivational seminars and stuff, I always wonder why these guys on stage don't then have a, a true follow-up system to then not only get you motivated at that point, but then follow up and bring that extra value that kind of pounds into it. So that person can then pulse, you know, themselves out into do that, doing action. Right. So look, uh, I know that uh, we uh, offline, we shared a little bit of a time constraint. So I want to kind of bring this to, um, to an ending within the interview. Uh, we have three questions that we asked Connor. Uh, but I'm excited too, man. Uh, I'd love to have you on in six months, you know, part of the Go CEO community. We want to bring on Uptown Creation, you and your partner on, maybe uh, both of you next time, and just share that next level story, you know, mid-year of 2021, where you guys are going and where you're headed. Because, I mean, there is just nothing but steam behind you guys. It's uh, super exciting. I'm, I'm excited to, to watch you guys grow and hopefully be a part of it as well with some good uh, collaborations in the future. But for this ending... C for CEO is called client experience, right? And you kind of detailed very specifically, but if you could wrap it up into just that value proposition, why should someone come to you in their B2B pursuit and needing to grow their business and work with Uptown Creation as a value proper client experience? Great question, John. And I, I really think just to simplify it, it comes down to authentic professionals, right? If I define myself as an authentic professional, which I do, our clients do too, right? Because an authentic individual understands the importance, an authentic leader understands the importance of growing and leading, but at the same time, you have to maximize your time. And so for us, it's making sure, and this is what we hear from, especially the high-level paid speakers um, and, and high-level business coaches, consultants, is they value their brand, their personal brand. They've worked their life to build it, right? Now, if some Joe Schmo was gonna go into their account and start using automation, Every professional, for the most part on LinkedIn, is smart enough to pick up on automation pretty quick, especially by now, right? It's been, it's been happening for you know, two to three years now, and luckily it's slowly going away um, as the algorithm is getting smarter. So now the experience that our, client, our clients experience, right? Our number one value on our team is profit, or our client first, profit second, right? And so I could go on, you know, on the next interview, um, we could go into a lot more detail and I could tell you stories of what that actually looks like. But when we put it to practice, our clients feel it, right? So it is making sure that we are holding their hand to actually get them to where they want to be. Even if it's not something we help with, it's how can we get them connected with someone that would? And it's helping them build really their, their business structure and, and growth strategy, not over just a year, but three years. And then how do we position that and use all the resources we have, right? I know we talked a lot about LinkedIn, but before that, we were in about every other area of digital marketing. So we're fortunate to yeah. have networks and, and trusted partners in, in a variety of ways. So really being able to help clients in ways way beyond what they ever thought. And I, I think almost every client that comes onto our team is extremely surprised by how personal we are and how quick we're able to communicate, but how many touch points we have, right? The, the price of our service should be a heck of a lot more. And that's what corporate companies are telling us. For us, it is really just making sure we know we are doing our absolute best you know, each day and that our clients have a full understanding of what's going on and that they're ready to learn at the same time. Because as we're showing them these things, you're also getting this education. I would say it's you can, you're going to get the service, you're going to get customers, your company is going to grow. That's guaranteed. 
But I think on the side, if you work with us for three to six months, you're probably getting like $10,000 in, in education and learning how to acquire clients. Because what works on LinkedIn, eventually in five to 10 years from now, there's going to be another social platform. We'll just call it LinkedIn 2.0. When that happens, same strategies of acquiring clients on LinkedIn, it's going to apply on LinkedIn 2.0, even if it's TikTok 2.0. Like there's different ways to do it, but these systems still apply. So um, for anyone that's looking to grow their company, increase their customers and make sure that 2021 is their best year yet. It makes a lot of sense to focus on LinkedIn and to work with a team and not have to, you know, create the, the wheel from scratch, but to go to a team that already has implemented it. And, and really that's where, um, and a team that's going to take care of you. 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, 365 days in a year, outsourcing something is a huge, huge differentiator. So awesome. How about employee engagement? Maybe a, a few seconds here on employee engagement, why there's a value prop with Uptown Creation and joining your team. Yeah, and, and what I would say is that it's it's the family that we've built. And this is one of the coolest aspects for me as, as a business owner is that I remember when Chris and I were sitting in this little dorm room called the, you know, the Bell, which was part of the Founders Club. And we're on the third floor in this little tiny, I mean, it was tiny, man. We could fit a computer and two chairs. We're sitting there and we're just looking at each other like, all right, let's do this. And it's just us two, like no idea what it could be. And now fast forward seven years later. And now when I have these one-on-one -on -one calls with the team and they all, everyone says that what they love the most about the company is the community, the culture. It is a family. Over half of them called it a family. I never, like no one on the team ever said, we're going to create this family, but it was just us being authentic again. And that's exactly the same experience our clients experience. So by doing that, our team, radiates that same authenticity and energy, right? We love what we do because we see how we're impacting the world. Again, our mission is how do we influence on a global scale? We think that, you know, whenever we're getting on a call with any customer, let alone, you know, a potential prospect that's considering joining the Uptown family um, and, you know, wanting to scale their company. So I would say that on the other employee engagement side, I would say one-on-one -on -one calls. I mean, it is just a game changer. It sounds easy. And for me, I, I catch myself once in a while just, being busy. I have a lot of meetings, a lot of calls I'm closing deals, working on partnerships, and there's other things going on. And it was a wake up call for me that this is such a, it, it's not even an importance. It's a necessity. I love it. Well, and the last one, you know, Connor, to wrap up the interview is operational excellence. Just a few seconds on kind of what you've already shared with us, but really kind of that value prop on operational excellence and how you guys do it at Uptown Creation. Yeah, don't take shortcuts. It is a rule for life. It's a rule personally, it's professionally. I used to, I would once in a while, you know, I would take shortcuts just with little things in life, right? I would tell myself I'd go run four miles and I'd run three and a half. And I was like, whatever, no one knows, right? But it was this shift that happened a couple of years ago that went to, I'm only letting myself down if I do that. And in genuinely believing it. And I'm a core believer that how you do anything is how you do everything. And that goes to how we lead the team on the operational side. I would say beyond bringing the energy, I think really what comes to mind for us, and I think it's another teaching point is for Chris and I, you know, I'm more of the front end co-founder. Front end meaning I'm like sales, I'm in front of the customers. Early on, I was creating almost all the content, right? Um, Chris was the fulfillment. We call that more of the behind the scenes, right? Now on the operational side, Chris and I talked and after a couple of years in business, we saw this opportunity. We had to be authentic and real about what we weren't good at, what areas we might've lacked. 
Um, and one of it was operations and having systems in place. Chris and I looked at each other. We were like, all right, I'm sure we could figure this out, but our minds just don't naturally work like this. And it goes back to delegation and learning. Okay, well, now we need to identify one or two people that vibe really well with the team, that have aligned values, that don't take shortcuts, that have this operational background. And that's when we brought, you know, a couple um, absolute all-stars on the team, Austin and Aaron, a couple years ago. And that has been the game changer that, that has put us in this position to, to really scale with, with no ceiling. I love it. Well, hey, look, you know, I am super appreciative. You know, Gopher CEO is a community that we're going to be growing, you know, uh, exploding through a thousand plus videos and sharing just really the real concrete small business owner stories, people that are driven by mindset, entrepreneurs. I want to get a lot of entrepreneurs on these on this channel and uh, really just share those inside, you know, company stories as well. But Connor, can you share with everybody just how to reach you if you want to share your information or at least your company information, website and, and areas that they can reach you guys. And then, uh, you know, we look forward to having you on in six months. So go ahead and share some of that uh, contact information. Yeah, absolutely. So again, the, the best place and what I'd recommend is going to uptowncreation.com and you'll be able to learn more about, you know, the experiences that, that um, our customers have had, but also learn more about how the strategy works. And I think I hopefully did a, a decent job of explaining kind of what it works, how it works, even if you weren't, you know, you're not a marketing person or you don't understand that, or maybe you don't even use LinkedIn yet. Hopefully I explained it in a way that, that helps you understand the opportunity. Now you can get in contact with me personally. The best place is gonna be on Instagram and that's at Connor, C-O-N-O-R, Paulson, P-A-U-L-S-E-N. And maybe we can put that in, in the upload too, but go ahead and DM me, shoot me a follow, I'll follow back. Um, but DM me and with any questions, I'm here to help. Um, and then honestly, I'll, I'll even throw my personal email out there too. That's Connor, C-O-N-O-R at uptowncreation.com. Awesome. We are here to help. You are a true entrepreneur, CEO, founder, uh, you know, co-founder with Chris and just a, a person that has that leadership and driven by mindset. So excited to have you on. Excited to have you in six months. And uh, hey, everybody, subscribe to the channel. Like this interview. If you really saw the content and you really enjoyed this interview, share it with other people and leave a comment for Connor. I know he'd love to just interact with him on, on uh, YouTube and then go to his Instagram and, and share all those great things. So looking forward to seeing you again, Connor. Excited to have you on. And thank you so much for coming on to the Go for CEO channel. Awesome. Thanks, John.